0: You're listening to the flagship show of the Restoration Radio Network, the network for the thinking Catholic. And now, your host.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the flagship show of the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Justin Soder, and today I have the great privilege of spending some time with a guest who most of our listeners have heard his voice before. It's Father Stephen McKenna, the regular guest on the show Pastoralia on the Restoration Radio Network, and he is the assistant pastor of St. Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. And missionary priest to many mission chapels across the greater Midwestern United States. Father, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to be speaking of a topic that, in all the years I have been involved in what we would call the traditional Catholic sphere, I have heard scant mention and and scant attention given to, and that is the topic of the single life. Never heard a sermon preached on it, never heard a conference given on it, sort of a category of people that I would say have been branded the forgotten Catholics. Anyone who's gone to a traditional chapel knows that they're sort of hiding in plain sight because they're everywhere. So we want to give a, a show dedicated to this topic. And then normally on the flagship show, we don't have a clerical guest. That's what makes this show a little bit out of the ordinary, because we really don't talk about stuff on the on the flagship show that revolves around faith and morals directly. But uh, since this show is definitely going to deal with matters of the faith as it relates to a state in life we felt it necessary to have the cleric on. So as we said a second ago, talking about the single life on this show is a topic which um, there's a lot really to speak of. We have a a lot of bullet points we want to talk about. And as I said at the top of the show, I've found this to be sort of a topic of the singles, if you will, being the forgotten Catholics. In some people's eyes who are married, they view people who are single. Almost a little bit above the lepers, particularly if the person has gotten into their 30s or their 40s or even their 50s and they're still single for whatever reason. Maybe they couldn't find someone. Maybe they weren't in a position to marry. Any litany of things that could have prevented them from finding someone to marry, uh, they determined they didn't have a vocation to the religious life or to the priesthood. And they have just found themselves single. Unfortunately, there's a negative connotation attached with the single state of Perhaps being a, you know, a failed vocation, or the person is selfish, they're lazy, they're maladjusted, they're inept, you know, whatever it may be. I want to cut through the fog here, and let's be very frank about this. And I think we we should start the conversation on the single life. And I'm I'm going to go right to Father with this question. I'm going to allow him to put his personal view in this, as well as really what the Church says about certain things regarding the single life. One of the topics of controversy is whether or not the single life is a vocation. Now, I've heard some priests say, yes, it is. I've heard some priests say, no, it's not, that it's not a vocation. I know some single people who say, well, I've just felt called to be single. So that's sort of one question in two parts, Father. Can we say the single life is a vocation, and can we, can we use the terminology, the phraseology of being called to the single state? Well, you know, I think you get
0: into a
1: point of contention
0: there some a lot of the spiritual writers don't mention the single state in their talk of vocation and in a way, I guess that's to be understood. It's not something in a vocational sense that you really plan for usually it's It's more of a uh not that everybody doesn't plan for for that, but it's most people find just happen to find themselves in a single state of life, and that doesn't change so in, in a in vocational sense of training for it or preparing for it you know if someone's going to be married, they seek out a good wife and uh, then they court and then they go through marriage classes and and all the rest for that, or if someone is to become uh religious or um a priest, they have training that they go through and uh, in that way with a goal in mind. Whereas the the single life is more of you're maintaining what you already were. So in a sense, in, in that way, not so much, but from the sense of it being a state of life that some people will spend the, the entirety of their life in, it, it has to be viewed in some ways as, as a vocation because not everybody is called to marriage. Not everybody is called to the religious life. And sometimes you have those people that end up remaining single for the, for their entirety of their life, and they shouldn't ever despair on that or think of it as a waste. It's something that is an opportunity to kind of fill in those voids of society and opportunities to do great things that we'll talk about later. That has to be em- embraced and realized as uh, as a as something that uh, can be a true means of sanctification and saving one soul. And in that sense, it is a vocation. So, you know, we know that most people are called to be married overall. You know, a few people are called to religious or priestly life. And uh, and then there's some people who end up being single for their whole lives. And they that can't be looked down upon or looked at as a waste or anything, because uh, it is surely a means that can be used sanctify themselves and save their soul. So yes, in in that way I, I do believe it to be somewhat of a vocation and there have always been single people and there always will be single people and they they can they can really serve the church in a great way.
1: And I think we move on to the to the latter parts of the show, we're going to talk about, I mean, obviously the, the single state being a vocation or not being a vocation, whichever way you want to look at it, it certainly is a state in life and every state in life has its obligations, what we're supposed to do in that state. And so you know, I think this show, while it's going to explain the single life, it's not going to be the show that let the board off the hook either, because you know, like we said, there, there are obligations that each person, no matter what their state in life, has to fulfill. And we're going to be speaking of some of those. So, to start off, maybe a sub subtitle here why the single life? Father, what does Scripture say about the single life?
0: Well, Justin, overall, the single life is something that's not addressed in any great deal in the Scriptures because it's more focused on either being a priest or being married person, but uh, but it does ha- have some mention in there. Uh, one point in particular is St. Paul's uh, Corinthians, where it says, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to, if they so continue even as I, meaning that they continue in their celibate way. But if they do not contain themselves, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to be burnt. So I th- with that quote, which is uh, from chapter seven, verse eight and nine, we see that to be celibate just is a, is a higher calling in life, and whether it be in a truly consecrated life like a priest or a religious, or just even in remaining single, but, but it only should be really viewed as as a possibility if they're if they're able to carry that that life, if they're to, able to remain so and still be virtuous. If, if it becomes a burden, then they, should, then they should seek to be married because it lightens that burden of temptation against purity in that regard.
1: I have my own thoughts as to why so many trans are single out there, so many, particularly men who are single. But I want to go to you first, Father. Certainly you see this I mean, you travel all over all the time, regularly driving 2,000 to 2,500 miles in a week. You're in contact with a lot of people who obviously are single. So why do you think that we have this this absolute harvest of single people that aren't getting married? I think in part,
0: it has to do with the times we are in, in the church now, because on the one hand, while you always have had single people and you always have, had uh, people that have filled the roles that they fill. you We ha- we see more of it now because of just of the isolation of some traditional Catholics that are out there, and you know a good number of them don't want to and, and shouldn't just kind of compromise and say, well, I'll just get married, and I'll get married to the, to the next pretty thing that walks my way because I haven't found a good trad, so I'll just compromise on what should be my most important point, which is the faith. And and I'll just uh, grab someone because I'm, I'm lonely or uh, or whatever it may be. And be, you know you end up in a lot of these, especially in the mission areas, or but even from our from our actual chapel slash church areas of the the trad world, you you just you have a limited playing field to to search in. And because of that, and people not wanting to to just pick some worldling to to marry that they know is going to be a crop full with its own difficulties and find themselves much later in life still single or for their whole life single. And I see it in some of the missions, especially that you have so many, you go to one place and there might be only 20 people showing up there and you have five single people, but they're all guys or they're all girls. And you know, it's hard to, to really match them up with somebody when, <laughs> when there's nobody to match them with. and, and, uh, they, they really have to kind of look outside that box to, to find someone. And uh, you know, in today's day and age, it's a little easier. Travel is easier. You can get to places by plane or and you can communicate with people by phone or email or whatever uh, it may be. But but it's certainly still geography, I think, uh, plays a role in the fact that there are more and the small amounts of people that are really uh, adhering to the, the true faith uh, as opposed to, the way that the world is run today, and it already takes that somewhat heroic step of making sure that you live a, a good traditional life and find yourself with traditional sacraments, things to be where you are, and then you have to find other people who have taken that same that same step uh, in living a good traditional Catholic life, and that, just not we just don't have the huge amount of numbers that they would have had 60 years ago
1: in, in that regard good point and i agree with everything you just said and i'm gonna jump to this argument that i call the i can't find anyone argument now before before i give my thoughts on this because i i think you led in well to that i will say that i remember and we were talking about this when we were discussing even doing the show a while back that i fully agree that this is certainly a consequence of our times in fact Stephen did an interview years ago with Bishop Williamson, and, and it was, he was asking this very question to, uh, to Bishop Williamson. He says, well, why are there so many single people out there? Why can't they find someone? And his response was, look, it's a suffering of our kind. It really is a consequence of our kind. And that's true. It is true that it is difficult, very, very difficult, but it's not impossible. Usually the question that I come back with when I hear that argument is, well, what have you done? Firstly, have you prayed about this? Like, you know, have, you, have you had masses offered? Have you said no Venus? I mean, are you praying every single day in your rosary to, for God to send you a husband or a wife? Have you gotten your clergy involved? Do you have a priest? If, if, if you're an isolated Catholic and, and you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, have you forged some sort of a communication with a priest somewhere. I mean, I know, Father, I'm sure that's, that's a huge part of your ministry is conversing with people electronically and, and, and trying to deal with them on a on an individual basis and where they may not have access to a priest to even speak with about difficult topics or pastoral issues and things like that. Um, have you gotten on a plane or gotten in your car and driven somewhere just to check out the chapel? Have you called the priest at the chapel and say, hey, my name is so-and-so and I go to so-and-so, and I was just wondering are there any people there who might be on the lookout you know, for a husband or a wife that you know, that you've spoken with, that you could recommend? Um, I'd be happy to put you in contact with my priest. There's some work that's involved here. That's the, that's the gist of this, this statement here. And while I fully recognize and I fully admit that, yeah, it is difficult, it is not impossible because you hear people getting married all the time. So obviously it's working. I mean, things are but, – right. but yes – at the same time, we don't have that big parish life that we had 60, 70 years ago where you had, you know, four five, 6,000 people that were you know, registered members of a parish. And you had six masses a Sunday and you went to the parish hall and Mr. Smith introduced you to his daughter, you know, so-and-so. And you two started talking in the parish hall over donuts or whatever it may be. And yes, that doesn't exist any longer, but there are ways to make it happen. Do you, do you agree or disagree with anything that I've said, Father?
0: i agree with that um to to a certain extent because it's you have pl- plenty of people that are examples of you know not only having uh you know met one person at some point in in their lives to to see if they were marriage material but have met multiple people from different areas and you can see that those people are putting forth uh, an extraordinary effort in that way and we also live in a time where like you said that we don't have the 5,000 person church anymore to to really turn to, but those people also didn't have, uh, you know, the means of communication or or travel at their disposal that we do now. I think, um, you know, one of the things that prohibits people from really kind of reaching out there the way that they should is unfortunately a, a side effect of our society that you see, you look into society, you look at, the the way people are being raised and and the way uh, people are being formed as as men and women around us and it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to figure out that there is a major and really unnatural and unhealthy role reversal going on in the world today you know women are acting more and more like men thinking they have to do everything that a man's role does and and men are acting more and more Feminine in that way that they aren't willing to put themselves out there, aren't willing to do something that is that is harder. That is, uh, you know, they're not putting, they're not willing to necessarily go out and make the first contact and and reach out and and tr- try to initiate conversation and and actually put the time and effort into to search after somebody, and um, the, the combination of that ends up meaning that you, you just have people. Kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the next wife or husband to sort of materialize or fall out of the sky on them and say, "Well, gee whiz, where you know, where where have you been all my life?" It it's not always going to happen. It takes it takes work. It takes effort. We don't don't wait for our food to fall out of the sky on our lap. We have to work and, and go and get it ourselves. So, what makes it us think that it's going to be any different for? For a, a human being
1: in that way, for a, the, the effort has to be there. So, yeah, that was you sort of stole my thunder, Father, because I was going to go there next on this whole idea of the loss of manliness. This idea that somehow, some way, she's going to come talk to me, you know, and that's not the way things are designed. God, God I don't <laughs> I think it's fair to say God didn't design us to be that way. You know, men are men for a certain reason, and when are women for a certain reason, and this whole notion that I'm just going to sort of hang around in the corner and, uh, you know, hope that she glances over at me and then maybe she'll come say hi to me. And that that's, um, you're right, that really is a a consequence of this, um, this society we live in. There's a lot of loss of manliness, unfortunately, today. That's not very attractive. I mean, frankly, no. to women, it's not very attractive, no more than to a man, you know, a woman who is not pious and is, Trying to be dominant and assertive and is right. is wanting to take on you know, masculine characteristics is not attractive the realization has to
0: also be the the problem in this situation in that part of the situation of the role reversal. I'm sorry guys, but I think that more falls on the fault of the men uh, today for sure you know women have their own struggles and you know, just as you were talking about justin you know nobody wants. No good track is wanting the girl who's playing on the travel basketball team or volleyball team or something because there's something disordered by that that you know that they're embracing a role that's not their own and and is problematic in in regards to the the ideals of of being a good practicing Jewish Catholic in that way. Um, but you know that's something that gets talked about. And on a larger scale, women more often than not try to embrace more of a feminine role in, in our chapels and our, and, you know, they, they try to dress modestly. They, 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 you know, they hear about how they need to wear feminine dress and dresses and skirts and things like that and learn, you know, homemaking and learn their own roles. And, you know, the roles of men kind of oftentimes either talked about in a, in a short way and, and it's like, yeah, we understand that, but they don't really understand the depth of that. And, so we end up with people that because of us being more traditional minded that the women are trying to embrace that role as a whole on a larger scale, that they're not going to try to assert roles that aren't their own to varying degrees of success. But men aren't always putting themselves out to embrace their own role in that and realize that if you want women to be more modest and traditional minded and, and to embrace their roles as, as women... Well, then that in turn means that they're not going to be the ones out there pounding the pavement, you know, knocking on doors and and uh, you know coming to men's rescue to ask them to if they're be interested in courtship or something like that. They're they're the ones that are going to be sitting back and and waiting for that more traditional mindset of well, it's a he, he's a man he should ask me. I'll drop hints when I can. I'll you know give him a little wink or something and say so he knows that there's some interest in that way, they're probably not going to make the first move. And then men oftentimes sit by and and think, well, uh, it's, too, it's too awkward or it's too difficult or I'm not good in breaking conversation or I'm not good in, uh, in initiating uh, interest in an in idea of courtship. And a lot of good possible candidates in, for couples falls by the wayside because men just don't want to make that first move and, and ask and, and say something. And we all realize it. We all know that, you know, no no guy likes to to initiate that and get shot down, and it makes it a little awkward and things like that. But, you know, that's when you have to say, oh, it's time to man up and realize it's not the end of the world. You're going to survive. You know, the worst thing that they, they say is, no, I'm not interested. And you just move on and move forward to the to the next opportunity that presents itself. But, right. You, you know, if, if both sides are are sitting there they're quiet, well that really the responsibility in that more often than not falls upon the shoulders of of men needing to embrace their role as 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 men and actually standing up and saying no'm I'm, I'm going to to put myself out there and make myself not only available but you know a little vulnerable to the opening that conversation and, and getting the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, it's too many times that we come across ladies that, um, that'll say something along the lines of, well, you know, I I was interested, but nobody, nobody wants to stop and, and, and ask, and I don't think it's my role. And it's hard to disagree with, you know, it's men should be the ones out there asking and, and initiating that conversation and that, uh, and getting that ball rolling.
1: I want to move on further to some of the reasons both valid and invalid reasons to stay single. For what reason does one legitimately remain single? I I can think of a couple of reasons, particularly young men who are fresh into their adulthood. They don't have a career to support a family, and they really shouldn't be courting in the first place if they can't support a family. I can think of people who are very sick, who have health problems, uh, who have to support a family or something, or, you know, their parents. What would you say are some valid reasons to stay single?
0: Valid reason number one would be that um, the that either I haven't I haven't found a person that that would be a good match for, for me in my life, or I, ha- I haven't found uh, anybody that is a, a traditional Catholic uh, in that way. And because, as we talked about a little bit, that you know you shouldn't compromise in the area of the sacrament of marriage. You shouldn't you know, say, "Well, I'll just settle for for this." Any any person that is part of a a mixed marriage. Uh, If you know people in that way, would be the first to tell you that it sounds like it won't be a problem in the future, but it always is. There's always, even if the the, the non-Catholic spouse is the most agreeable in allowing the children to be raised Catholic and the wife or husband to practice the Catholic faith, there's always a strain and a a, a struggle there um, that exists because they're not being they're not leading by example, they're not doing their part to to really help instill those virtues in the children. And then um, and then the second part is that um, you're talking about the rest of your life and the welfare of your, your kids, and people some, seem to kind of, oh, you know, it, it's not all that important. It is, it is that important. It's talking about not only your own soul, but the souls of others around you that you're going to be responsible for if God gives children, and that's that's a that's a weighty point to, to to think about. That's not an area where we should really be throwing up throwing off our hands and saying, Well, you yeah, know, I've tried for a little while and done. Um but then, then other reasons why people embrace the single life for valid reasons is is sometimes they realize that the what they can do for a chapel or for the church as a whole, they can do much more when they don't have those responsibilities and if they feel that they can Persevere in that way and 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 live that life, and that, that maybe this is something that is a good call for them. That allows them to to do things like be uh, devoted sacristans to a chapel, or to be people who to to help the priests out by cooking or by construction work around uh, a church to to do maintenance or to uh, to be able to be ready on the call servers for ceremonies that may take place or training other servers, or singing in the choir or whatever that takes or a lot of to the airport, father. <laughs> yeah. They can preach to the airport. You know, it's uh, I, I live out of a suitcase and I'm constantly in need of rides. And it seems like all the time, you know, we're reaching out there and trying to initiate, to try to scrum up somebody to, to give a, a lift to the airport just so I can get to where I'm going. And those things take a certain level of, of commitment and, and time that not necessarily every married person, especially a young married couple that you know have young children, they don't always have that time. But if a, a person finds themselves single, well, then they're allowed to do so. Um, the single life. If, when we talk about marriage, we oftentimes talk about how it's a a giving of yourself to your family and to your spouse. That you have to give of yourself. It's it's foundation built on charity mutual charity given in that way uh, in order for work successfully. Well, just because you don't have a spouse doesn't excuse you from from that charity. You just have different ways that you can you can give and the ways that are still very, very necessary and important because as you are seeing, Justin, now that you live in, in Cincinnati, you, you look at the, the life of of really any clergy these days that are really trying to, to do their job and doing it well. Well, they end up stretching themselves thin and they end up all over the place. And it's those little things that uh, are necessary for the continuing of our missions or our chapels or just our own sustenance of life and things like that. But uh, are often kind of like the other things that we have to do that we have to stop doing those higher callings to go to the grocery store and, and make a meal or oh now I have to start setting up my vestments and cleaning the church and sweeping it out and ironing linens or whatever it may be where if someone can help in that way, well it frees us up to do more of the the work that we're called to, which is work for souls. And the priest is in that way kinda of like the mouthpiece that's the seen person that goes out there, but it's only due to the help of, of many people behind the scenes that don't always get the credit, but, but really, you know, their credit will be given in, in eternity because of their selfless giving of themselves. And, you know, single people really have that opportunity to to assist in a greater way, but oftentimes they don't necessarily always recognize that and leave it for, for the old timers to, to step in and fill that role. But it's, you know, it's not
1: uh, necessarily they share either. Okay, so, Father, if I hand you a leaflet thickness here of valid reasons to stay single, I'm now going to hand you the phone book of invalid reasons to stay single, all right? Because these <laughs> are going to be very easy and very plentiful to talk about. Uh, you can just about pick anything the world says about marriage, and that's, a, that's an invalid reason to stay single. We hear a lot of these reasons, unfortunately, being repeated by traditional Catholic men. I've heard it myself they'll they'll always lead with these well i haven't found anyone yet, all right, fair enough, uh, but then there'll always be something like uh well, you know you know marriage is tough these days, and bringing kids into the world this is such a, this is such a disgusting world, and you know we're you know we're headed to the end, the new world order is in charge, we have globalism everywhere, so you can't bring kids into society and look at how much taxes are and look at how hard it is to find a job and yada, yada, yada. I mean you can just go down the list of of reasons. Do you have any favorite flavors of these reasons, Father, that you hear from people and what you would say certainly fall within the category of invalid reasons to stay single? Well, the ones that you brought up are certainly those ones. Another
0: one would be just worldliness in general. Well, you know, I really like to travel. I won't be able to do that if I have to, you know, now travel with other people or I really like my own space the way it is and, you know, not having someone muddy it up or, you know, uh, or have to share things very well or, uh, you know, I have trouble getting uh, along with others at, at times or, uh, you know, or just overall kind of grumpy, downtrodden look upon uh, marriage vocation. But I think the, the common thread that it all has is oftentimes the people that are that are u- using those type of excuses are the same people that aren't really making a sincere effort to to figure out, you know, if they can find a, uh, a Catholic spouse, and um, are probably at the same time also not really embracing what they can do in their own state, their current state, as a single life. So the, the selfishness of, well, you know, it's just harder, and I, and it's, that often travels into every aspect. So you know, living a life of virtue is not a, necessarily the easiest thing to do. It takes effort. And um, you know, if you look at something like your state of life as a burden to to put forth effort into, well, it's going to carry over into into all the other areas as well. And and so overall, I think those things are just that uh, excuses and you know, excuses that um, that doesn't carry really any water to them.
1: What's really funny here is that a lot of those reasons that people get for staying single are really the reasons why they should get married because. You know, when you hear, and and look, I'll make a confession here on the air. Way back in the day, I was no different from anyone else. I mean, I I used to say things like, oh, I don't have the patience and on and on. And I remember, uh, you know, a married person once told me, says, look, you have kids? Don't worry. You'll get patience, I assure you. All right. You know, that's exactly what you need to become more patient is to have children. So a lot of those a lot of those reasons that they're giving, like, well, I don't get along with others. Well, get married. You know, you'll learn, obviously. In every waking moment, well, just about every waking moment with someone in, in your free time. And, you know, you'll learn to adapt and you'll learn to get along with people. So a lot of those, quote-unquote, problems or, quote-unquote, drawbacks will be aided by the sacraments. It's just kind of interesting how people don't really see deeper into what they're saying and, and, and the indications that, well, yeah, maybe maybe those things would be improved by, by being married. I'd like to remind our listeners that you are listening to the Five Chip Show, the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Justin Soder, and I am joined by Father Stephen McKenna today. We are talking about the single life. We'd like to remind you that the flagship show is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily attained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. So let's move on, Father, to the burdens and the benefits of a single life, okay? Because there are certainly burdens. There are certainly benefits. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of what those are, and I'm sure our listeners are to a point. But before we talk about the burdens and the benefits, the pros and the cons, if you will, let's first talk about obligations. We mentioned this earlier in the show. What obligations do single people have in the single state of life?
0: Well, the obligations always has to come back to, first and foremost, your own soul. That everybody has the obligation of saving their soul. And no matter what their state of life is, that has certain requirements to it. You know, the obvious thing is living a grace filled life, making sure that we stay out of the sin, that we frequent the sacraments, that we uh, say our prayers, that we do all these things. And, you know, that's not a, a light obligation. That's very, um, that's the most important part of it that transgresses any type of vocation. At the end of the day, you have to save your own soul. Now, with that, understanding any state of life comes with its own obligations in that way. If you're a religious, then you have to live the communal life. You have to stick to, you know, to the prayer schedule. You have to live a life of obedience. You have to follow uh, all the things that the the congregation lays down. If you're a priest, you have to uh, be, uh, you know, the person that is there uh, to not only save your own soul in a more heroic way but you have to be there to, to save the souls of others and you can't you're not just a sacrament machine you don't just say mass and uh, and and hear confessions you are out there for a purpose but the single life is no different it has its obligations as well for saving your soul you can't expect it to be an easy path to heaven if you just show up to mass on Sunday and and go to confession before mass and show up to to the, to the sacraments when you have to. No, you don't have other obligations to tie you down. So therefore, you know, as the scriptures say, to, to whom much is given, much is required. Well, you, you have been given this extra time. You need to to make use of it in a, in a good way you have the opportunity to have easier access to sacraments or to uh, assistance at your chapel. You have the opportunity to to be able to live a more exemplary life in your workplace. You know, to you can't just be one of the you know, just another employee there. I'm not saying that you have to stand on your soapbox, but you know, your your example of of being a prayerful person and uh and the way you speak, and the way you know, conversations that you take part in and don't take part in, uh, you know, after, after work, uh, activities that you may miss out on because of the fact that it's not pro- appropriate and things you have you have the opportunity to perhaps teach, whether it be catechism, uh, which is certainly, um, and uh, a part of the growth of the church that's absolutely necessary. That, uh, we as priests we try to do as many. As in classes as we can, but at times, especially out in the missions, it's not always easy to be able to have sit-down classes on a regular, consistent basis with somebody when you only get to see them every so often. And it's usually you're there and you're running off to the next place to to the same asset. You know, we good faithful single people to be able to 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 offer that as a as a means of assisting because they've taken it upon themselves to make good use of their time to study their own catechism to uh to really uh understand their faith to a higher degree because they have more time to be able to do so than someone with a family to raise. When we look at those things, we can't just say like, oh that's an extra activity and maybe I can, you know, help in some way. There's you know, talk to talk to your clergy. If you know if you're willing and able there's always something that you can that you can probably be helping with there's plenty of work to go around if you will and uh you know they might not have something right ready to go for you then, but if you're making yourself known and available and uh and you're making most of your time to to live that good virtuous life and um in that way they'll 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 your priests will remember that and they'll at some point they'll come calling for you to to assist in some sort of way whatever the that way may be it might not be what you have in your mind but don't um, don't underestimate the importance of it so um you know i think those really can can't be looked at as just extras they have to for a single person that has to be kind of looked at as part of their obligation they they have more time therefore they should be willing to put themselves out there to assist in whatever way the,
1: uh, that can, uh,
0: that the clergy need.
1: Well, it's certainly true, particularly when you think about the fact that time is so precious. And I think, you know, with with, with each passing year, the older, the older we get, the more we begin to realize the benefit of time and really, you know, the blessing and the grace of time. And time is moving so fast. It's a great gift to give to, you know, the clergy, to other Catholics, as so the gift of your time. This is a good, good time to talk a little bit about the temptations of a single life. Now, we, can, we could actually do an entire show on the temptations of a single life because there, there are so many of them. I mean, we, we can talk about things like despair, uh, independence, worldliness, impurity, loneliness, bitterness, self-centered attitudes, one becoming set in their ways. Uh, these, are, these are really all common temptations. And pitfalls, but i want to I want to zero in on uh, a handful of these fathers. I think these are probably the biggies and mm-hmm. and that would be despair and loneliness, worldliness, and impurity and you might throw independence in there if we had some time because certainly it is true. I remember talking to um, Bishop Sanborn about this a while back, and he was talking about that you know that the the longer a person stays single, the more that temptation of independence really sets in. Like you just don't want to give up certain things of your life that you've become accustomed. And, and uh, so, but let's, let's talk about those, those four. Let's talk about despair and loneliness, worldliness or impurity. Despair and loneliness, like
0: you said, kind of hinted at can really kind of be, be linked together the, because someone, because being single, you know, you come home at night and the lights are off and that you you've finished your day of work and there's nobody there to greet you and there's nobody there to to talk about your day with and there's nobody there to to share a meal with or anything like that you you get home now you have to make the effort to to actually start preparing your own meal and sit down by yourself at the table and 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 do that that's uh, you know that can cause someone to have some feelings of of downtroddenness in that way and um you know, that's an, a natural feeling and that the despair of, well, I'll never get married. Well, why even bother? And then that snowballs into very quickly. If we give in to those, those, those thoughts, and those, that mentality that snowballs very quickly into carrying over into a, a lethargy and a laziness in, in their spiritual life and spiritual duties, because uh, someone's alone and has all this time on their hands, all of a sudden, you know, they seem to not be able to find time to pray, you know, and that's, you know, it's it's a it's a strange link for people to see that you think that you know mar- married people looking at it and would say, well, well, gee whiz, you're, you you don't have all this other stuff to distract you, so you get to spend time spiritual re- in spiritual reading and and prayer and things like that. But more often than not, that's you know one of the bigger struggles that single people go with is maintaining a, a good and healthy spiritual life, just simply because. They have this you know, small element, or, or in some cases, a larger element of sort of despair, and uh, which leads to, to just a laziness that uh, they that they don't want to fight against their own natural inclinations to, to, of of immobility, and um, and they and they just they don't they don't make use of that time. It is that constant battle, and uh, and the realization that um, it's a battle that. Is in some ways uh, more heroic in those because they don't have someone to to encourage them and to to feed off of. You know, a married person on the one hand might not have the time that they have, but they have uh, another person there that is uh, that they can talk about things and and practice the faith with, and they and they feed each other feed off of each other and help each other in that way. Uh, or they should anyways, uh, and that's not always there for a, a single person, so they have to be sort of masters of their own spiritual destiny. They have to be the ones forcing themselves to do that. So that loneliness and despair oftentimes really comes from not making use of time, and it seems like we keep circling back to that idea, but it's, it's true. Look for things that you can do to to help you know, in the, the the Catholic Church as a whole, or the faith as a whole, study your faith. Look for opportunities to assist at your, your chapel or whatever it may be. Look for what what you can do to be helpful, and that'll take up some of that time, and it'll it'll fight off some of that despair and loneliness in that way. And in reality, that despair and loneliness and idleness really kind of segues into also the temptations of impurity. If you are not doing anything and you're sitting around, well, then temptations against purity are going to be more plentiful. As the old saying goes, the idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, that's very true. If you're just left with your own kind of thoughts and, you know, you have your different means of uh, of distraction and entertainment around because you're not making good use of your time, well, then those things are going to be more and more tempting. You know, you feel a little lonely and so therefore you're looking for a little comfort and, and and that momentary temptation of pleasure given from sins of impurity all of a sudden becomes a great a greater
1: temptation than it was before just because of idleness. Let's talk about worldliness. Again, this could we could go on for hours talking about this. How does the temptation of worldliness affect the single person in a different manner than it does the married person? Well, worldliness affects in two different ways. One
0: is the worldliness of of deeds and worldliness of stuff. Uh, that, uh, that's a good division <laughs> for it. And the worldliness of deeds is the realization, well, hey, listen, I have all this extra time on my hands because I don't have all these other you know family responsibilities or whatever it may be. So I'm going to do a bunch of fun stuff to distract myself from from the fact that that I'm not fulfilling my all the spiritual duties as, as fervently as I should be or I'm going to distract myself from from the realization that you know I I am coming home to an empty house or something and so I will just look for the next fun thing to do the next entertainment the next recreation to have and I have a an inordinate use of recreation nobody's saying you shouldn't have times where you have fun and do fun things but um but you know I remember listening to not too long ago something that bishop Sanborn was saying that the older you get the the less and less play you should have and the more work you should have well that's that's true and especially for for people when they become adults and they're single that doesn't they don't they're not dispensed from that lessening of of, of play time you you, you know you uh, you have to realize that the, those those recreations are important, but in their right order, in their right set amount of time. If you're spending more time recreating than you are trying to, to better your soul, then you have to really start to look, what am I putting my efforts towards and is it something that's worthwhile? And usually the answer is no. And so it's a, that that worldliness of action serves as a distraction. The worldliness of stuff is the realization that, well, I don't have, you know, maybe that person has a decent job and uh and and makes good money well i don't have anybody else to spend this these uh these things on uh this this money on and they, so i'm gonna get myself the next toy and i'm gonna start taking trips all over the world and i'm I worked for it i earned it i'm just i'm gonna enjoy it and because i can't live it up, it with live it up. yeah yeah exactly I, I have nowhere else to put it so I'm i'm gonna do that well once again, you talk about the burdens of uh, of each state in life. Well, the people at the chapels and the uh, and the missions and everything aren't always expecting the, the family of 12 to uh, come up with the next large check of donation towards helping the mission or a chapel run. But a person who has no dependents whatsoever, they might not make maybe quite as much money as the next guy, but uh, but they certainly are able to give more. In that way, and nobody's saying you should give everything you have and live as a as a pauper. But at the same time, there has to be recognition of God has given me a good career, and that means I can use that that monetary gain to a greater degree of charity and work for God. I can I can afford myself the opportunity to to make more charitable work and help out maybe some people in the parish that are struggling, or I can uh, make sure that, that if there's a want or for, or a need of the chapel that, that I can contribute in a way to really make sure that that's a, that need is fulfilled uh, to make sure that what that church and chapel is trying to do is, is able to operate in a, in a way that is uh, more, you know, comfortable and and more successful in that way. It's, too many of the missions in the, in the, especially at the missions, but even down to the, to the, to the churches themselves or the seminary or whatever it may be, all of those things, you know, really seem to to operate from a month to month basis and trying to make sure that we have enough for the next weekend, you know, well, if, if more people had a, a real generous offering, if they were s- single in that way, well, the, the, there'd be a little bit of buffer. There'd be a little bit of comfort and, we as the clergy could end up doing more for you as the faithful, just because we have the means to do more. And um, that recognition of you know, nobody's saying that you have to, like I said, live as a pauper. But it's uh, but you you have a special opportunity where you are in a position where you can help, and you should take advantage of that because once again, those those things are are, are rewarded by God in eternity uh, in a great
1: way. Okay, so we've talked about the obligations, we've talked about the temptations. Quickly I'm just gonna go over the what I would perceive as the benefits, and I think I can see from experience on this that we have talked about the benefits of a single life, such things as you know, more time for prayer. At the same time, it's also fair to say that there's more time for personal things. I mean you have more time for yourself, you have more time to have such things as hobbies and interests and I mean you obviously are gonna have more financial security, the ability to save uh, if, if you're not feeding 12 mouths and making a house payment and making two car payments or whatever it may be, you're going to have more financial security, which would really, you know, you should be saving and you should be trying to get yourself into a more financially secure position such if so if indeed the right person does come along, you're able to move into marriage with a, with a you know, decent financial foundation. You have more time for extracurricular activities like travel. Obviously, I mean, I've taken advantage of that. I've, I've, You know, I've had the ability to to travel all over the place, and it's it's, uh, something I don't take for granted. But I think also, particularly for the younger people who are just coming into adulthood and who are single, they have the ability to learn responsibility in adulthood. Things such as having a job and paying their bills and beginning to establish a career. Uh, I'm speaking to the young men here. This is there's a nice period of time that gives you the chance to learn responsible adulthood. So those are, those are definitely benefits. Um, you know, we could go on with those. We just don't have time, unfortunately, but there are legitimate benefits that, that I think should be taken advantage of. Do you, do you, do you agree, father? Oh, absolutely. You know, nobody is,
0: is sitting here thinking that if someone is single, that they have to embrace a role that is like a, this, overly penitential life at the same time you do have that opportunity to, be, to do things that uh that other people aren't able to that can really benefit you in uh not only spiritual ways but cultural ways and whatever it may be you know taking a time to learn certain crafts and skills because you have time to, to to study up on them learning a language or you have time to to travel a bit and see some some really incredible sites to uh that uh that other people don't have, see shrines that that people won't always get a chance to, to do because they can't afford to go there. Well you know, that's, those are those are great benefits in the way of quote unquote enjoying your, your single life that can be very healthy if they're put in their, their right place. The other part is just as you said, learning that responsibility and independence it's really important, especially for the young single people, that they realize use that time wisely for that stuff. So if you do find that right person, you're not expecting them to come in and, you know, basically be your mom. Uh, you know, there's
1: <laughs> no no uh
0: you no know, no there's no quicker way to shoot down any potential uh the realization that you can't clean your own laundry or you can't uh you can't clean your own self Self a meal or something like that. You know, you're not you're not out to, to marry your mom. You're out to 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 find a spouse to fill both of your your uh, your roles appropriately. And uh, women are are more often than not looking for that in a man that they are someone who has their life somewhat squared away, and because uh, there's security in that. that there's uh, uh that nobody wants the 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 30 year old guy who uh, sits around and and plays video games all day and doesn't know how to sew a button back on if they needed to, or cook a meal or something. It's it's basically helpless if uh, someone's not around, you know, that's living off of dirty laundry and ramen noodles. That's not all that appealing to to (laughs) each prospect.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Well, we're coming up towards the end of our show, but before, uh, before we close out, there's a, just a few more topics I want to discuss with you, Father. And I think this is probably something that that single people who are grappling with the understanding of what they're supposed to do is this feeling versus the reality of staying single, okay, as I would call it. What signs should a single person be looking for in himself or herself that would indicate they should stay single or they should get married? We often hear people say, well, I think I'm just supposed to be single, or I feel I should be single. Sort of that warm glow from inside, or you know, should we say cold glow from inside saying, oh, I'm not going to be married. I should just stay single. And they're reducing it to a gut feeling. And I think there, a lot of times, that feeling comes from a position of them trying to justify the single state because they're lonely or they're depressed or they're despairing about their state in life. How does one separate the feeling of thinking he should stay single from the reality that he should or should not stay single. Well, first off, it
0: comes with the realization that once again, most people are called to be married. That's necessary for the continuance of the church and of the, and the, the world as a whole. And people are social beings; it's good for them to be to, together. And the realization that there are certain temptations which can be, which can be minimized, uh, or uh, by the fact that someone finds good, good spouse and uh, you know, you can assist uh, in raising good children and you can assist helping your spouse get to heaven and things like that. So oftentimes that I feel like I'm just supposed to stay single is really kind of a throwing up the hands resignation to this hasn't worked so far, so therefore why even bother? Where, whereas the the actual looking to see if that's something, if, if a person is able to, you know, fulfill they see a role that needs to be filled in the church they think that they can fulfill that in that way they think that those uh, burdens and temptations of being single they're able to handle in a in a in a good way and are really uh, adept to to fulfilling that well you know hey maybe then it's something that is is to be looked at as Possibly this is my my role in life. You know, I uh, I'm able to to help care for some of these people who are you know basically geriatric care type of thing for someone in a parish that I, I can uh, I'm able to be able to do these things for for so and so so they can be able to live out their their days at home with someone who's a part time caregiver or I can uh, tutor homeschool kids in areas that they might need a little extra help with or I do that sacristan or be that uh, maintenance worker or whatever it may be on at least a part-time basis around a, a church and, and and you know I know that these temptations exist but I'm I'm prayerful I'm I'm working hard for my spiritual life and uh, I seem to be doing well in in winning that battle more often than not in my in my struggles so therefore you know per- perhaps this is something that uh that maybe is my, my vocation. And then just like any other vocation, you, you, you pray about it. You, you keep praying. And, um, you know, if God in the meantime, you know, the, God in the meantime sends you someone that really seems to be, uh, you know, an opportunity for a Catholic marriage, well, that might be your answer as to whether or not you're supposed to be singular or or not. But the other, the other part of it is is sometimes people are truly just, uh, meant to to fulfill those those roles. It reminds me of a of an older woman. She's now deceased that I knew uh, from before. She never never married. lived well into her eighties, and she became a doctor. and She remembers very distinctly when she was young, uh, after she had finished high school and things like that. That that prayerful look at it, realizing that she was intelligent, realizing that she. Was talented in in the world of academia and had enough drive and focus to be able to to become a good physician. If she were to apply herself to in medical school and things like that, she had the, the necessary tools. And she prayed about it and looked upon it and said, you know, there's just not enough good Catholic family physicians out there. I think I can fulfill this role. I realized that as a woman, that means basically if I want to fulfill the role, I I couldn't get married, uh, and I don't have any. You know suitors right now, and so she, she prayed very hard about it, and decided to pursue that tract, and and did so much good for for people not only from the medical standpoint, but for for also for for souls that she that she was found that balance of being really an actual Catholic physician in that way, and looked at the at the sacrifice of a married life as as a, just that as a sacrifice that she was willing to make in a, in a heroic way. And, uh, you know, and she lived a very pious and penitential life her whole life long until the day she died. And that can be out there that some people can fulfill that. And, um, and, you know, if that's you, then, then, you know, you should definitely be, be praying about it and looking at that that way. But more often than not. That feeling of like, oh, I think I should just be, be single is, is oftentimes just the feeling of I haven't had any success so far. That's it's really two different things. We have to remove that from the equation and just like anything else.
1: I think that's a great spotlight, Father, on the single life. I mean, the, the fact that single people can do more. You're able to see really that this isn't a state of life which is shrouded by this black cloud which is always raining or snowing. I mean it, it's there are there are distinct benefits.
0: Just real quick with that, you know, if you have a a mentality or a, a disposition of your your state as a single person where you kind of feel like you said that dark and cloudiness. You feel like Charlie Brown on a bad bad day where the cloud just hovers over his head and rains on him as he walks around type of thing. Then <laughs> you know chances are you're probably not called to to a single life, you know, you should be trying to fulfill your life in in some way, and and looking for a Catholic spouse in that way, because you know, none of us are are meant to be just sad and downtrodden all the time, and you know, perhaps you need that assistance of a, of a spouse or or whatever it means, whatever it is, to to fulfill your 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 life well and to have the best chance of getting yourself. To, to heaven however if it's something that doesn't is something that you're you're bearing in a joyful way and uh, uh you know re- realizing that it comes with its own trials and things like that but you're doing so making the most most of it and making the best of it and you're joyful about your application of it and what you can fulfill in uh in in your in your life for the for the good of god for the greater glory of god then maybe it's, it's something that can be explored a little more and and prayed about but Nobody's supposed to be just sad and depressed their whole days long. You're you're doing something wrong if, if that's your mentality towards it. You you need to to really start looking from it from a more spiritual and more fulfilling in in God's role for you, whatever it may be of your life.
1: Well, Father, you gave the example of the lady that you knew that you know, became the physician. She made the the prayerful decision that she was going to forego being married because she could she could do greater things than being a physician. And I talked earlier at the top of the show about if you're a young man who, you know, can't support a family yet and, and things like that, then obviously you should stay single until such a time when, when when you could support a family. Are there any other signs that one should be on the lookout for that would indicate that they should stay single? Or is that so so subjective that you couldn't really give some concrete examples of that?
0: I think it's easier to give examples of, of areas where you should think that you shouldn't be single those temptations that are there we talked just briefly about right now you know that you know if you're sullen and downtrodden about your state of life then you know chances are you're not supposed to to be single in that way because it's not fulfilling to you also if you really struggle with uh, temptations against purity well that's a you know a sure sign that you probably should be married as well because that will help against that that temptation basically you should you should ask yourself do you want to be married and if you have a natural draw to that, and you and you and you, you know, if, if the opportunity arose that you you would have a you would want to take advantage advantage of that opportunity, well, then you should pursue that. You should uh, really give an effort to finding that Catholic spouse. But if you are fighting successfully against those temptations that come along with single life, and you're and you don't, you know, the married state doesn't necessarily really appeal to you as what you think God is calling you to do and doesn't seem like it'd be a fulfilling uh, vocation for you. Then now you, you prayerfully enter into that consideration, but we can't look at the single state as just, I wanted this to happen, but it just never worked out. You know, it's, it's, it's more of a, am I, am I called to this somewhat sacrificial and penitential life that it can be? And can I do that well to, to fulfill my, my role in, in God's church? So.
1: One of the last things I want to talk about, and we can we can keep this brief, but, uh, you know, we hear this term tossed around a little bit, but most people don't necessarily understand what it is. Can you explain to the listener, Father, what a consecrated single life is and who should consider making such a consecration? Part B to that would be, is this promise or is this vow, is that one that could be broken should one find a spouse or, or is it permanent binding?
0: Consecrated single life is essentially one who like we we're talking about, has looked at their life, has realized that they are able to bear up well against the temptations that that come from a single state of life, can see that they can be really fulfilling some sort of role in the church, that doesn't necessarily fall into the one of the, the other main categories of, of religious life, priestly life, or uh, married life. And and, and sees that and says you know this is a a a life that i'm willing to embrace that i that i will find joy in embracing i can make the most of and and really do do good for my own soul and and for the souls of others and so they consecrate themselves to god by this what it amounts to essentially a a private vow of of chastity in, in in that way that they I mean every single person has to live chastely but uh, but they've actually taken upon themselves by private means to commit themselves to that and, and to no longer really search out any other type of mode of life and something when you're talking about consecrating yourself and and, and making a, that private vow uh, you know it really should be entered in upon with with advice from a priest that uh, you know just like Nobody becomes a, a priest or becomes uh, a nun or, or anything like that without uh, having spiritual direction towards that. Um, you know the same thing uh, in, with regards to to that consecrated single life. However, as a as a vow itself, yes, if you end up making you say, okay, this is my life that uh, I want to live, it's consecrated single life uh i'm going to dedicate my soul my life solely to doing the good works that a single person is afforded to do and then that magical person does fall from the sky that opportunity does land there that uh, seems to be truly uh, you know the golden opportunity of uh of becoming married in, in in that sense um then you should seek your spiritual director and uh, again and your, your confessor and and uh that private vow, if you will, of chaste life can be dispensed with because the, you know, the opportunity has come and, and you can, uh, and it has become clear that this is, you know, God wanted you to do this for the time that you were there, but now he's made it clear that his will is otherwise. And so it's not, it's not like a priest's permanent vow of celibacy where it's, once you've, once you've made it, it's a public proclamation of it. And now you're, you're in, and for, for life, yeah, there's no, you know, there's no dispensation from it
1: well father we've we've reached the end of our episode here, and I want to have you leave our single listeners with three good pieces of advice they can take home to bear patiently with their single state. What pieces of advice would you give them in order to uh be joyfully single but also to not fall into that despair and loneliness and depression and things like that? Well, uh, for three pieces of advice, the first
0: would be uh most importantly is the the making the most of that time uh to practice virtue and to practice acts of piety so you have to you have to realize that you will have various temptations as we talked about a bit and in order to fight them you cannot do so alone you need grace from god to be able to succeed in growing in the spiritual life and and to succeed in whatever god has called you to do and that only comes through through prayer and closeness to the sacraments and uh, and you know sincere effort to live a life of virtue which can only come through God's grace. And so so your first part needs to be you have a, a, a better opportunity to spend time in doing works of piety. Take advantage of that. Make sure that you are very prayerful and you make every opportunity to be uh, as close to the sacraments as possible and, and, and frequent reception of them. The second part, I would say, is don't let yourself be be idle, but most especially realize God has given you uh, the opportunity to do more for your church or chapel or, or mission spot, whatever it may be, and to take advantage of that. You are able to do things that neither clergy nor nor married people sometimes are able to. Well, but those things need to be taken care of, whatever it, that may be if you have the opportunity and the skill set and ability to do it then 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 make the most of it you know really put yourself out there to to help both the church and and sometimes your your fellow your fellow catholic thirdly is to not let yourself feel like you you're just kind of stuck that you have to realize that yes the single life comes with its own challenges and things like that but we, as we talked about, it also has its its benefits as to what you you can do during that time of being single and um and especially if it's a you know a, a temporary single period where you might get married at some point. Well, you know, don't uh, don't miss out on the opportunity to do what you what you can now while you have the time, because if you later on if you do get married, you're not necessarily going to have that time. Uh so really kind of uh you know, look to, to make the most of it to enjoy the, the time that you have in that, uh, to be able to do the things that you know are good, but also things that you might, uh, enjoy doing uh, as well as just, uh, Feeling that you you have to do because uh you know those those acts of piety are not sad times those those areas of study that you might be able to put in are not things that are, are downtrodden or even those little bits of recreation of travel or whatever it may be are not are you know those things are are enjoyable or the fact that you can know other single tasks out there and and spend time with them just in a, in a you know very friendly way to 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 enjoy yourself and have good catholic friends that you can spend time with um outside of uh you know outside of uh, of church and in in that regard so it's uh you know don't look upon your uh, current state of singleness whether it be for your life or for your, for a temporary period of time until you find a, a spouse or that uh, as in in a negative light really look at it as Look at the positives and and make the most of it. Take advantage of that uh, to to really foster your own growth towards saving your soul.
1: Well, Father, I want to thank you for your time today. I think we've covered this topic. I mean, there's more things that could be said, but unfortunately, we just don't have the time to do so. But I really appreciate you coming on the flagship show and and talking about this topic. It's one that needed to be addressed. And, and look forward to hearing you on the next step of the pastoralio. All right. Thank you for having me. And I would well, like to remind listeners that. Father is taking mass stipends, and if you'd like to send him some mass stipends, have them asked for your intentions, you can do so at fggresources.org. If you'd like to send some questions along to Father for him to answer personally, you can send them to us at flagship at truerestoration.org. And I would like to remind anyone who emails that all of our emails are confidential. They will not be sent to anyone else. Father will get in touch with you and uh, hopefully can address any of your concerns. So with that, Father, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you would please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I am Justin Soder. May God bless you.